All right, welcome back to another episode of the Gator Maven Podcast, powered by Sports Illustrated. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Graham Marsh. You can find him over at Graham Marsh UF. And today we are joined by one of our writers over at the site, Donovan Kaiser. You can find him at Kaiser Donovan. It's spelled D-O-N-A-V-O-N. Uh, Donovan, thanks for joining the show. We got a lot to talk about today with recruiting, obviously following early national signing day. And I'm sure you just like us, uh, we're going to have the takes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, we're going to make this a pretty quick episode. We'll talk about, you know, the positives, the negatives, and then what Florida has left to do, uh, with two months before national signing day comes around. Uh, so yesterday, Florida entered with a ton of momentum uh, coming off of two SEC flips. They were the number seven class in the nation at this point. And, you know, a year ago at this point, they were, I think, number 17, 18, somewhere around there. So there was obvious improvement on the early aspect of of the recruiting trail. They didn't lose any commits, which is a great sign. No one was flipped out of Florida. But the issue was that they didn't utilize any of the momentum that they had brought upon in the past week or so. And as well as what they had done throughout the rest of the season, they didn't use that momentum to finish strong uh, on signing day. So Graham, I mean, when you take a look at it, you know, this is a pretty impressive class. You've got a lot of different positions that needed talent added to it. Get a lot of talent. I mean, there's, I think what, six defensive, or I know there's six um, in the secondary, a lot on the defensive line, five commits on the offensive line, four signs. So when you look at that, you see that they address needs. Would you be pretty satisfied with what they've landed at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, I would be satisfied overall. Um, I feel like the main issue that Florida fans are going to have um, with the class overall is that they're going to look at it and say, listen, there's five SEC teams in front of the Gators, right? But that's not entirely fair because, I mean, you look at if Florida wasn't any other conference, they'd be second best at the worst. But, um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, if you've been on the Twitter streets recently, um, this is no news to you. Pretty much Florida took care of business in the trenches, and they shored up some DB help that they needed, especially at safety, and they didn't do much of anything at wide receiver running back, and that's what people are um, – not satisfied with but overall as far as the entire class I mean I feel like you you have to be satisfied especially I mean this is the best class so far that that Mullins had and um you know uh, unlike last year it's looking like these guys will all pretty much be be here to stay so overall I think I, I would be satisfied if I'm giving it a grade probably give it about you know, about where they actually place in the rankings, 8 out of 10. And then, you know, we we do need to look at the missed flips because, like you said, I, I think they've nailed what they needed to nail in this class, which automatically makes the floor for grading it pretty high. Um, but there, there was room for so much more uh, with guys like Tim Smith, who Florida was apparently in on until the end with Alabama. Uh, Donnell Harris went as far as unveiling a Gators hoodie uh, when he was announcing where he was going, only to take it off and put on a Texas A&M hat. Um, among, among other guys, Sam Brown, the receiver who ended up at West Virginia over the likes of Georgia, Tennessee. Florida didn't even get a hat on the table. 
um, but they were in it over the past week or so. So, I mean, Donovan, when you take a look at these misses, you know, how crucial, whether it's even by, you know, this upcoming February, if they get into any more recruiting battles or definitely next year when, you know, this is going to be another recruiting cycle. We're really going to start to know what we have in this coaching staff from a recruiting standpoint. How important is it to hit on these type of battles as this staff really cements itself here? And how disappointing is it that they weren't able to land those guys yesterday? Yeah. So my number one thing was this is those two guys yesterday and Donald Harris and Tim Smith are the difference between a um, average to good class from a great class that's going to win you national championships um especially tim smith i mean the i think he's the fifth ranked d tackle now um right in your backyard you had him on campus multiple times probably eight ten times you camped well you camped with turner so it's a tough miss and i mean if anyone else was coaching him besides saban um you know you probably land that kid but I mean, that's just a tough miss because you had him on campus so many times and you had those relationships built. Um, Donald Harris, again, that one's kind of a tough miss. Um, I mean, he reclassified and, you know, had everyone after him. Uh, Texas A&M was a good spot for him. But with that, I mean, you have the depth at Buck right now. So it's not a huge miss in terms of uh, position, like, for, like, next year. But he's definitely replaceable and um, – you know, you can – it's just tough to miss guys like that. I mean, top 50 kid, you know, that you had coming down to the wire and you're missing to a 7-5 and five A&M team. And a lot can be said about the same thing with, you know, Sam Brown. He was never that highly rated of a receiver. Teams came on hot at the end, and he ends up at West Virginia of all places. Yeah. Uh, out of, you know, three SEC schools, four SEC schools at least were really pushing for him there in the end. Ole Miss uh, – came on hot as well but they like Florida weren't on the uh weren't on the table uh that what's going on at receiver as well as running back I think is going to end up being what hurts the class the most because we, like you said with Smith with Harris that those guys change a class from being good to great but with their defensive line depth and their buck depth they are they are going to be just fine without getting those guys at receiver, you still have Leonard Manuel, who has yet to sign, but you've got two uh, two guys there in a year where you're losing four. So you need to get at least one more, honestly, hopefully two more, but at least one more, and Mullen seems to think all they need is one more. So to miss out on a uh, lower-rated guy that you came on hot for and getting left off the table is honestly, it's not even bad. It's probably a little embarrassing. Yeah, for sure. I mean... You had the last the last visit before signing day, and you can't even get a Highland table. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's an issue. But yeah. I mean, with that, you just can't have that happen. And you're losing kids to West Virginia. That's just that's a bad look for everyone involved. Especially but, when, especially with as good as the offense has looked since Mullen has been in Gainesville. I mean that that's that's the most puzzling part, right? Like how how has the offense been this productive yet? Skill players are just not really necessarily dying to come to Florida. Well, the question is, you know, everyone's praised the idea of Mullen spreading the ball around so much with all the weapons they've had. Whether that's something they can continue doing with all the talent they're losing is, you know, is yet to be seen. We'll see that next year. But you, you got to wonder, while it's best for the success of the team and everyone praises it, th- these are 18-year-old high school kids that are thinking about them and their best move going to the next level. So you got to wonder, 
it, could that have been a turnoff for whether it's a receiver like Sam Brown coming in or any other receiver for that matter? Or, you know, the run blocking being so piss poor in 2019 that LaMichael Pirine w- was not able to do anything as a running back. And entering the year, the hype was all there. Recruits saw that this dude was a game changer and he wasn't able to do anything as a runner. So you got to wonder if, you know, the ball being spread around so much at receiver, the lack of production at running back really started to push these kids away kind of at the last second. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I uh, hopefully, I assume that Mullen sold to running backs the idea that, that the offensive line would be a lot better next year, and the fact that he recruited the offensive line pretty well. Um, but as far as receivers, yeah, I, I guess you're right um, that they spread the balls around so much at receiver that for a guy that wants to be a top target, it could have been a turnoff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... At the end of the day, it's something that I think players would learn to appreciate when they're here, if that makes sense. It's not something yeah. that guys will necessarily love to hear out the gate when they're coming out of high school, but it's something that I do think is, you know, good game planning, good strategy when you're in the building. And how many good passing offenses in college football right now don't spread the ball around? Yeah. Like, like how, how many... How many college programs right now are just relying on just like one guy to do all their work at receiver? Yeah, yeah, that like be, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at like look at Georgia like last year. I mean, I mean Lawrence Cager did most of their work before he got hurt, and Georgia's passing offense was nothing to be ridiculously impressed by. And they're getting receivers left and right, so it, it mm-hmm. gets it, it's kind of confusing. But I mean, Kirby Kirby out recruiting Mullen isn't really news. But um, it, it is kind of weird, but, you, you know, all of that to say, um, even though some of them were recruited um, decently well, you know, it's not like before Mullen arrived, you know, Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond were even close to what they are now leaving the program. So it's like, I, I mean, I definitely feel like, like they're going to get good receiver production this coming year. Um, it's just maybe that depth moving forward that people are mostly concerned about. So, yeah, I agree. so going back, oh, go ahead, Donovan. Uh, going back to the running back thing, um, I mean, I think that's something that's definitely something recruits see. Um, but when you go when you look at teams at like Miami, who had an awful offensive line the whole year, um, they landed two backs in Jalen Knight and Don Chaney. So, I mean, it's not it's not the only thing recruits look at, and a lot of the times. Um, these kids are looking for the best experience uh, just in terms of like, you know, um, living and all that because that's where they're going to live for four years. So um, I think that's so that's obviously a point that could be made, but I think it's um, a little like leaned on and like in the recruiting because a lot of these kids are going to choose the best place for them um, and not necessarily look at like the scheme fit and all that. I mean, some of them will, but like some of them will just um, kind of not look at that as much as some others. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And you're right about Miami. I hadn't, I didn't even think about including that. I'm too early to trash talk other recruiting. <laughs> but um, with that being said, you know, these are still needs that Florida's going to have to address. Mullen said they'll have about five or six targets that they're going to focus on just as much now as they had before. So we'll see if he's able to make anything happen. Um, who are some guys that you think Florida needs to 
close out with to end this cycle? Uh, I'll start with you, Donovan. Um, I definitely say Avante Williams and Jamar Gibbs are the two that Florida absolutely must land. Um, I mean, the safety depth. You have a safety that is widely regarded as one or the top two safeties in the country. Um, and he's right in your backyard in the land. You've had him on campus multiple times, even though he doesn't take many visits. Just decommitted from Oregon, and you're apparently in the lead, you know, with six weeks out from signing day. So you have to close on this kid. Um, he's a ball hawk, absolutely great playmaker. And um, on the running back side, Jamar Gibbs. Parrish, uh, Henry Parrish out of Miami. Another one to look at. Um, I think he's leaning towards more old Miss at this point. Um, but Gibbs, a Georgia Tech commit, he's very, um, very agile, very, you know, quick with his cuts. Um, he'll be a great addition. Uh, many believe he's kind of that second back behind Bowman on Florida's board. And he's a uh, he's just a playmaker. And you have to get guys like that, especially with the running back depth right now. You got to wonder if they'll be able to pull him out of, uh, you know, Georgia Tech from his home state, as well as the other schools that, you know, have started to come on late with him. Same with uh Henry Parrish. Uh, Graham, do you, are there any positions you think that, uh, you know, maybe the Gators can end up surprising us with trying to prioritize? Um, I mean, not really. I, I, I agree with Donovan that, that the two are the two you got to look at are Williams and, and Gibbs. I mean, because you, you look at it, especially I know the four has gotten uh, a little better with the safety class this cycle, but still, I mean, that that was by far, in my opinion at least, that was by far Florida's weakest position in 2019 was safety. Yeah, besides um, offensive line. Yeah, it, yeah, offensive line in the run block. Um, mm-hmm. uh, offensive line being, in my opinion, a little better in the pass protection than people gave them credit for, is the only thing that would give me that would that causes me to push them slightly above the safety room. Um, the safety room to me was was the worst because. Outside of Sean Davis making a couple really impressive plays every once in a while, like and Donovan Steiner just being in the right place at the right time, like what did this room really give you? Like they really didn't give you anything. I mean, yeah. the fact that Jaywan Taylor ever got on the field tells me that that they absolutely have to get a couple takes in recruiting. And um, obviously, right now you're not really going to look at anybody that could help them much more right now than than Williams. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that dude might step onto the field day one. Exactly. So, oh yeah, he's so talented. You're not just talking a special teams guy. Like, like you're talking a guy that's going to get snaps right away. Um, and then with Gibbs, I mean, you just need a running back like badly. I mean, is running back to me? I mean, y- y- y'all tell me your opinion, but to me, running back is kind of like quarterback in the sense that you really need to get one per class. Yeah, I agree. I, so, I, I think that that's probably the goal. Um, and, you know, when you look at this room now, losing P. Ryan, I, we've all made it pretty clear. We think Damian Pierce is a really talented back. And Naquan Wright was an intriguing dude coming out of last year. But there's so much inexperience in this room and, you know, nothing that the team can truly hang their hat on at this point other than what they've seen in still somewhat limited fashion from Damian Pierce. So honestly, you know, if if I'm Florida at this point with the spots you've got left, I'm considering taking two running backs, you know, Beyond my number one target, if I can get two guys that I'm comfortable with, I'd consider bringing them in because, you know, the run game could use that improvement, not just in the run blocking, but, you know, get some guys that do different things well back into that room, get a pass catcher that's going to be, you know, 
a critical part of finishing out at running back is someone that can catch passes out of the backfield. So if you can get, you know, maybe a guy that, you know, is is a more of a two early two down back, a guy that you can really tote the rock with, and then another guy that could be a specialist as a pass catcher. You come out of here feeling a lot better about the running back room, even after missing out on some guys in the early signing period. And I think yeah. you've got to go after both Gibbs and Parrish, right? Like, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Donovan's kind of already said that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you definitely can't afford to put all your eggs in one running back basket to end this cycle because you can't afford to miss on everyone. Yeah, you yeah. can miss on one of them if you get the other. Um, obviously, I-, I think we'd all agree that we'd prefer Gibbs over Parrish. But, I mean, if you get Parrish – that's fine, but it's just you can't not get both. I, I really believe that with with Pirine being gone and with so much of the production leaving the room, with Pirine leaving the room, and with having literally no idea what Florida's getting behind Pierce, I mean, you've got to get somebody else, right? Like, like it's just I don't really think it's a – an option at this point yeah and i think going towards the portal um for one of those guys is really only two running backs out of high school you're gonna get are gibbs and Paris at this point so looking at the portal to see to find a, a joshua corbin from texas a&m or some other gem that the staff will find and the portal could really do wonders and those guys would be helpful too because they'd be able to play right away yeah, yeah, absolutely. Assuming they're, assuming they're eligible, they'd be able. They like more than likely they'll be ready to be on the field immediately, and I think that would be really helpful for this room to avoid a Leonard Fournette type situation in Jacksonville, where it's just it's just Pierce all the time, and you have no change of pace guy, nobody that can bring anything different because Malik Davis showed me nothing last year that makes me believe that he can come in and be a a really valuable number two running back. Maybe he comes in and he's, he's more healthy. A healthy offseason will change that. But I, I just, I just, I mean, I, I have my doubts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally fair, uh, even beyond what he showed on the field last year. But the fact that he's had two season-ending lower body injuries as more of a speedster, agile back, that's just really not a good combination. Uh, they, they, they've got to do something here. Uh, this is going to be the priority. Uh to finish out this class as well as landing a guy like Williams, a blue chip talent out of your own state. Uh, as for the transfer portal, I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot more uh, as things continue to cool down and we get a better sense as to really who could be made available from the portal. And with that being said, I'm sure we'll have Donovan on for another episode discussing that. Uh, that should wrap up today's podcast. Donovan, thanks so much for coming on with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will be catching up with you guys again soon as we prepare for Orange Bowl game prep and media availabilities. That all starts next week. Uh, we'll be down in Miami. I'll be heading down there the 26th and you know bringing you coverage all the way through the game on the 30th. So make sure to follow along at Zach underscore Goodall and at Gator Maven SI, as well as my co-host Graham. You can find him at Graham Marsh UF. And Donovan, who joins us today, a writer for the site over at Kaiser Donovan. He is posting an article grading the Florida assistant coaches on the recruiting trail, literally as I speak on this podcast. So make sure to go check that out. And we will catch up with you guys next time.
pushing me around. 